0: Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. So, think about more of the first century church and what it was for them to be able to share their faith. Where they didn't have much of the stuff that we do. For instance, there were no bumpers, so there were no bumper stickers. There were no fish or logo, you know, dove logos to put on the back of camels. There was no great pastor online that you could see giving a message. Uh, There were no Christian t-shirts or WWJD bracelets. They didn't even have gospel tracts or hotel room Bibles, yet amazingly. We are told, the Bible tells us specifically in Acts, that not every week, But every single day, the Lord added to their number those who were turning their hearts over to God. How did they accomplish that? Well, it was along three very important factors. They prayed for an empowering, a boldness from the Spirit. They knew and experienced Jesus to be the greatest thing ever. And number three, their lives and eternities were altered to the degree knowing Jesus, that they wanted to share that with as many as possible so that their lives could experience transformation. Now, you may be thinking, okay, yeah, sharing the faith for those people, those first century Christians, easy, right? Natural for them. They're such godly people. But for me, uh uh-uh. Well, if that's your category, if that's what you're thinking, I've got good news for you. Because if you're a believer and you've ever felt inadequate to share your faith, or you feel guilty because you know an opportunity has passed you. The Lord laid something in your lap. Here was a chance, here was a, a person you needed to speak to, and you, and you didn't do it, you didn't share anything about your faith. If you've ever felt this way, or if you're a non-believer, whether you're here today or watching online, and you've ever wondered, what is it about you Christians that make you bent on sharing your faith? Well, then, 1 Peter chapter 3 is for you. The sermon title today is Sharing Your Hope. And it's going to come from 1 Peter chapter 3. And in this passage, Peter is going to give us four essentials for sharing our faith. This is how he begins the passage Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. And after, made, after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers In submission to Him. Four essentials that we want to talk through today. The first one that Peter mentions is that we need hope. And that hope has to be anchored in something real. Now again, here's how verse 15 put that to us. Always be prepared, Peter says, to give the reason for the hope that you have. Okay, why is this essential? Because when we share our hope, we are saying to a lost, dying, hurting world, here's why I'm confident. Here's why I'm so optimistic in the midst of a world that seems so bleak at times, because I know the God who holds this world in His hands. Now, everyone has hopes, right? We Hope that the economy is going to turn around. We hope that we get a better job. We hope that our kids turn out okay. We hope that this month doesn't come with another disaster. We hope that we will meet Mr. or Miss Wright. We hope that our lives will get easier, and if they do, they won't be riddled with the problems that we have now. But the problem with the world's hopes is that they are pretty much foundationless. What guarantee is there that the next hurricane won't hit the North Carolina coast? What guarantee is there that your kids will grow up to be healthy and successful? What guarantee is there that your life will get any easier? You see, the world's hopes don't amount to much more than wishful thanking. But for us Christians, our hope is very different Christian hope is based on powerful promises. The world's definition of hope is basically an optimistic outlook. But what the Bible says about Christian hope is that it's living, it's secure, it's firm, it's sure, it's certain. And we can say all that because it's based on none other than Jesus Christ. The reason we have hope in Him is because of the powerful promises He gives us. Like orchestrating the events of our lives that bring good to us. Like knowing that God has a plan for us, and His plan is for our hope and a future. His plan is to bring good to us. Like the fact that Jesus is right now in heaven preparing a place for us. You see, these are the kinds of great promises that God has given us and that's why we have hope in him. And it's very different from the kind of hope that the world has. Now, obviously, if Peter is inviting us to share our hope, then we've got to have that hope ourselves. And we've got to have that hope properly focused. So how do you know when you've got your hope properly focused? Well, I'm going to answer that question with a question. <laughs> I'm going to do the thing that you hate. <laughs> Here's the question, what makes you confident that everything's going to turn out okay even though you're living in the midst of a new and difficult situation? What makes you confident that it's going to be okay? Your answer to that question will determine whether or not your life, your hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. And you know, it's pretty easy, even for us Christians, to have misplaced hope. So what is it that gives you hope in the midst of a new and difficult situation? Well, sometimes we might say, well, uh, the strength of my resume is what gives me hope. Others might say, well, it's the car I arrive in or the fact that I'm having a good hair day. I'm not sure why you all thought that was funny. There are lots of reasons we have hope. Peter says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Another translation says, set Christ apart in your life as the Lord of your life. So again, before you can even even begin to share your hope, you've got to have that hope yourself and have it in Jesus Christ. And maybe it begins with you taking time to be with the Lord and saying, Jesus, I must admit to you. For a long time, I've had you down here in all this pool of other hopes. You're just one among many. But today, I want to set you apart. And I want to set you on a pedestal as my one and only hope. We have hope. Next, Peter tells us we need reasons. That same verse, again, said, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, for a lot of you, that's the sticking point. You say, look, I can have the hope, but share the hope? Uh-uh, <laughs> that's not me. I don't know the Bible well enough. I'm not that quick on my feet. And if somebody were to come up to me, if I'm trying to share my faith and they have some questions that I can't answer, then I'll really look ridiculous. Having the hope is one thing, but sharing that hope? And I'm already prepared for your next question, which is, how do you prepare reasons for your hope? Okay, go back to our definition of what hope is. Christian hope is based on powerful promises. So, get a couple of biblical promises, commit them to memory, and apply them to your life and your situation right now, and you'll be able to share them with someone else and say, hey, here's how I have found hope. It might be one laid-off worker speaking to another saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm in the exact same boat as you now. I've lost my job, and I'm not sure what my future holds. But God tells me in the Bible that He knows what I'm going to go through before I even begin to go through it. He tells me, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or where you're going to live. Just focus on me, live for me, and I will meet your needs. I'd much rather meet my needs on my own, but without a job, I'm going to have to hold on to God and count on Him to come through. Or maybe it's one single mom talking to another single mom about where God's faithfulness has shined through. Or maybe you're the one that God has been bringing out of an addiction. Or maybe you've experienced what it's been like to be at odds with your spouse and so you come to this couple who are at odds with each other and you turn them toward each other and you turn them toward God's love and forgiveness and you have them realize that God has already forgiven them more than they'll ever have to forgive anybody else. These are some of the ways that you can share There's nothing fancy arguments about those. There's there's no theology degree needed. It's having Scripture memorized. Maybe a couple of, you know, the Bible says, and so you quote from God's truth. A helpful resource is this book, Steps to Peace with God, that we've used here at the church on on several occasions. We've got copies of this at the welcome table in the corner. Um, Feel free to get one of those. There won't be a necessarily a person there, because again, we're trying to keep our distancing, Um, but these are available. Um, They have a lot of those promises of what God wants to be in a relationship with us, and it's the Bible says kind of thing. If you don't have access to one of these here in this room, and you're watching online, these were acquired through the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, so you you can pick one up that way. You don't have to use that book, but Whatever resource you use, if you're looking at Bible promises, here's my advice to you. Don't use some obscure references. Don't Habakkuk a new believer because they won't know what you're talking about. They'll probably say, oh, bless you. Just take some simple promises that have meant a lot to you. You take those promises of God. You've applied them to your life. They've given you hope. Now share that hope with someone else. That's what Peter is talking about. So we need hope. He tells us to have our reasons. Authority central to sharing your faith is the fact that nowhere in Peter's letter does he say that you have got to have a bubbly personality, a big persona, in order to share your faith. What you need, he says, is to do it with gentleness and respect. See, I can do that. I can share my hope in a way that's not pushy or know-it-all. I can kind of set my agenda aside for the moment, listen to the other person, hear their story, hear their hurts, and share my hope. That's doable. Again, I'm glad Peter doesn't measure our ability to share hope by how dynamic of a personality we have. It's not about being the smartest, the shrewdest, the sharpest, the wittiest, the funniest, the coolest, the prettiest. We might want to project that. But if that's you and me, then all we're going to be is the farthest from God's heart." The Bible says that He gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So if you're into promoting yourself, how are you ever going to promote God? If you're into self-confidence, how are you ever going to convince someone that your confidence is truly in the Lord? We think we need a special personality in order to share our faith, someone who's alive and active and sharp as a tack. You see, that's the job of the Word of God. That's the job of those Bible promises that you share. The Bible says the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The Bible will speak for itself. The Bible will share with that person who they are and their need for God. So how do you know that you're approaching someone with the right attitude? It's when God's Word is more prominent than you are. That when someone comes away from an encounter with you and is drawn to God, not by a big personality, but by the very fact that God is on display in your life and in your words, There are going to be people looking to you for hope this week. They're going to be in your office, in your neighborhood, on your Facebook page. What's it going to take? The fourth essential is we need confidence. Not self-confidence, there's a difference. We need confidence. Now, no matter how easy Peter makes sharing your faith sound, there's always going to be a hesitation for us. And to that hesitation, Peter responds with an illustration from the life of Noah. Let me remind you about Noah's story. Now, we're not told exactly in Scripture. Best guess is that for 75 years, Noah is busy building an ark according to the Lord's specific instructions. And that's not all. We're also told in Scripture that he is a preacher of righteousness. So for 75 years, here's Noah. It's his shipyard, a petting zoo, and trying to win hearts to the Lord. I guess Noah had to give a reason for why the giraffes were in his backyard all that time. For 75 years. And seemingly, no one outside of his immediate family was saved. Yet, let me tell you how we are encouraged by this story of Noah. If Noah didn't have to produce results, neither do we. For 75 years, no one believed. Was Noah a failure? Of course not. He was listed as one of the greatest men of faith who ever lived. He didn't have results, but he was obedient. So we need to remember as Christians, it's my job to speak and share it's God's job to save it's my job to do the possible it's God's job to do the impossible i can't be anyone's savior but i can share my hope and i can share my savior and leave the results to god a second encouragement from this story is that if noah could endure the insult and persecution so can we peter began this whole passage with this question, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? If you're out living a quote-unquote good life, knowing no one's perfect, but you're living a good life and, and you're trying, you're sharing your hope, who's going to oppose you? The answer is only the real misguided people. Most people will appreciate it. Even if they don't accept your sharing of your hope, they will appreciate the fact that you're you're trying to do good. Only those who are truly misguided will oppose you. And in Noah's day, that was everyone. Of that time, Scripture tells us that the thoughts and intentions of every person's heart was only evil all the time, and for 75 years, that's the environment That Noah had to live in. Can you imagine the insults that were hurled at that guy? Chances are it's not gonna go so poorly for you as it did with Noah. There are gonna be people who are hopeless that you know are looking for hope, and chances are they're gonna be more receptive. You're gonna go out into the world this week, into a world that's hopeless. And they need your hope, and they need it in a bad way. People are looking for anything to give that we can give them because unfortunately they're going to find hopes set on all kinds of crazy things that aren't really hope. That leads me to this final thing to say. We have the best hope of all because we have the greatest news of all. We have Jesus with us. There are people in our communities taking on a lot of different things in which to hang their hope. They need to take on Jesus. They need to set Christ apart as Lord in their life and as their sole source of hope. Now, how are you ever going to know when you're ready to do it, when you're ready to share your hope? How are you ever going to know you're ready to share your hope with someone? Because you might be thinking right now, I'll never be ready. You might not feel perfectly prepared, but you'll know you're ready when you do this. When you take a little time today and ask yourself these three questions What are the promises of God that mean the most to me in my situation right now? So, what are those Bible promises? Is Christ really set apart as Lord in my heart? Do I have a divided heart, or or is Christ really the Lord of my life? And third, is He my sole source of hope? If you consider these questions, how you answer those, and you pray something along the lines of, God, I don't know all there is to know, but would you give me an opportunity this week to share my hope with someone who needs it. And you know what? God would love to do that. And when you're willing to pray that prayer and ask God to give you a chance, you are ready. You're as ready as you need to be. Let's pray. Lord, you are wonderful, magnificent, holy. Great, awesome, full of love. And yet you've come down to our level. And in Jesus Christ, you stepped off the throne and you took on flesh and bone and you died on the cross, giving your life for us. And that's where our hope is really secure knowing that you took on the weight of all our sins and darkness and evil and, and even death itself. And none of those things can have the ultimate word on our lives. That belongs to you. And if we would, but just give our hearts to you and just say, Lord, I believe. I know you died in my place on the cross for my sins and I know you rose again from the dead. That's all we need. And that gives us hope. That lets us know that our future is secure in your hands. And so, Lord, from here we can, we can move forward and be able to take that hope that we've been given and share it and say, hey, here's what God means to me. Here's the truth of Scripture. Here's what the Bible says. Here's how it's made a difference in my life. Lord, maybe already you have put in our, in our thoughts, maybe running across our mind right now, is somebody who needs to know you. Let us pray for that person, for a receptive heart. May we be so bold to pray for an opportunity then to use your promises, your words, get them to start thinking about their need for a relationship with you. The King of kings and Lord of lords, we pray this prayer and the prayer that Jesus taught us saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.